0: welcome to the 210th episode of the so video games podcast where we talk about any game at all including new stuff old stuff and anything in between if we are playing it we'll be talking about it today we are recording on december 12th 2020 my name is brad galloway i am the editor of gamecritics.com and 50 percent of this here show with me is night city's newest
1: resident carlos rodella Hey, that is me, and I am definitely inside the cyberpunk, and man, do I have thoughts. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah, it's a, it's a little crazy in there, and we'll talk about it in the next episode, but I'm having fun and uh, lots of weird stuff in cyberpunk, but I will also say this, it uh, inspired me to create a whole new YouTube series, so shameless plug at the top of the show, uh, it's called Night City News, and you can find it on YouTube, I'll put a link in the show notes, and And it's really fun. The world is really fun to exist in. And uh, I can say that.
0: All right, well fair enough. Let's save that energy for next episode. I have not played Cyberpunk, but we can talk about why I'm not playing it. We can talk about you actually playing it. There's lots to talk about. No shortage of controversy and bumps in the road for this year's biggest game. But that is not on the agenda for today. No, no, no. What is on the agenda today for episode 210? is a special request. Uh, a couple weeks back, maybe maybe longer than that, perhaps, a uh, good friend, super fan of the show, hey 777 uh, sent me a DM, and he's like, hey, Brad, you guys should do an episode on the best stories in games. And I'm like, okay. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, that's all it takes, folks. Uh, it can be a DM, it can be a Twitter message, it can be an email. Uh, I mean, if you happen to uh, see me walking down the street, probably not likely in coronavirus times, but, you know, in other times, just, you know, hey. So just a topic, it's really all it takes because Carlos and I uh, love to give the fans what they want. We're always looking for new ideas, and, uh, you know, we're very responsive. We, we like to give you what you want.
1: Yeah, just send us a message. This is how quickly a show gets put together. Just, hey, what about this? And we're like, okay. Yeah, done. I mean, basically. And I think we're probably
0: pretty open to anything. I mean, I'm trying to think of something that I would not do. And there's not a lot I don't think that we would do on the show. So if you got ideas, topics, something you want us to discuss, you want our opinion on something, you want us to weigh in, I mean, just let us know. That's all it takes. Yep. All right. Great. So that is what we're doing today, folks. It's not going to be a regular episode. We are instead doing this special episode dedicated to good man hey 777 uh, the best stories in video games ever. So I have my picks. Carlos has his picks. And I put this question out to Twitter and the listeners And we got a lot of responses. Uh, Not quite as many as last time, but still, like, we were talking like several hundred responses. Um, So, engagement has been really good. I'm really excited to see people like wanting to get their two cents in on the show. And, you know, obviously, I'm really happy people are listening. So, thank you to everybody who chipped in. We will be talking about the top listener picks at the end of the show. Uh, But before we do that, Carlos, I think we should probably just talk about game stories in general sir i need to ask you right now is story in games important to you
1: yeah super important i mean i am mr one player mr single player game mr i want to go in and experience a story and live in a world and feel like i'm in this other world so you know i really want to get lost in the story that developers trying to um put across so it's, it's huge for me i mean i've as you know if you listen to this podcast i don't really play a lot of multiplayer games And I can find the fun in them, but I want to get lost in a narrative. And so a special narrative, you know, can really, really just, yeah, give that full form escapism. Let me ask you this,
0: then. This is an interesting topic that I actually hadn't considered when I was putting my notes together. I'm glad you brought this up. So for you specifically, and, you know, of course, feel free to speak for yourself, not like for everybody in general, but in your personal experience, I know that you like are the guy who likes to get in the open world. You like to be immersed. You like to get in there. But for you... Is it better or different, or do you have a preference, whether it's an open world with, like, stuff happening? And so do you feel like it's, like, you, Carlos, in that world, or do you find that it works better for you if you have a, like, written character? Like, for example, the difference being, let's say, Witcher 3, you are Geralt, obviously, but in something like Fallout, you are just, like, you know, you're like a cypher, like you're in a blank slate that you can kind of write your own personality in. Do you have a preference? What works better for you?
1: Yeah, that's interesting, because this is an interesting discussion because i prefer the open blank slate to be like you know a version of carlos i always say it's like a you know an alter ego a a clone of you know with a hammer with a hammer with a big hammer a clone of me and going in this world and and figuring it out i like that the best but i mean i love witcher 3 and some of these games that i will talk about are about the stories of other characters in the game and it's not me carlos or clone carlos with a hammer so i guess i like both but i think if i'm thinking about it i like the blank slate and then a really good story happening to me interesting okay cool okay that's i good. think so yeah i think that's my answer
0: totally fair totally fair i do not think there's a right answer here but it's interesting to think about because you know, when, when we put this question out to Twitter um, and when Arhe suggested it to me, like, we didn't really get that granular, right? He was just like, good story. What's the best stories in games? I'm like, yeah, cool. I love stories. Let's talk about it. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought there was so much more to it, right? Like, this, the thing we just talked about, is it is it me, myself? Is it a character I'm going through? Is it being immersed? Like it, Like, what makes the quality of a good story, right? There's so many different ways to do this. So, I guess, let's turn it back to you still, Carlos. Like, when you're doing an open world game that you like... And you're going through this. Like, is it important for you to have scripted things happen to you? Or do you like the emergent stuff? Like, for example, uh, let's take, for example, like New Vegas, one of my favorite games. Uh, I don't know that I would put that forward as having a great story, but there were lots of great moments where maybe I'd be walking through the desert. I'd see a deathclaw attacking a caravan that was kind of like unscripted. I would watch that play out and then whatever happened, happened, maybe something weird would happen. Um, or or opposed to like the actual quest where you go to talk to a person a person says something they send you on a quest you go do that thing and then the resolution which is totally scripted by the developers happens the way it's supposed to happen do you notice either one of those things working better for you or do you like either one of those things better?
1: Yeah I mean I think because the of the limitations and also the where we are at in game development Emergent can't do it as good as narrative yet in my opinion like I think Whenever I have like I'm, one of the games on my list, spoiler, is Watch Dogs in many ways, right? There's like the Watch Dogs 2 and even some stories in Legion I'll probably talk about. But like some of the stuff that they do and the characters they introduce and the storylines, that's not going to pop up in emergent gameplay. And it's very, very targeted to what they want to say about something, about politics or about the world or about people or humanity. And I think you need, I think you need narrative to really... Uh, tug on those heartstrings etc because there's a couple times this year especially with 2020 like i've been teary-eyed at video games you know like being like oh i'm feeling the emotions but those moments were all narrative moments like it it was still me doing the thing but then the payoff was this the narrative they writ they wrote for it you know what i mean right 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 no i mean that makes sense and obviously i'm with you on that because i think 2020
0: is full of uh wake up and find myself crying moments as well so that's yeah, yeah <laughs> something yeah. I can certainly relate to so you know as I was as I was thinking about this I was thinking about like what really makes a good story and I it was really hard to pin down right and I think I not to you know take a shortcut or take the easy answer here but I think honestly the the real answer is just it depends right because there are so many different kinds of games so many different ways that character or or the player can interact with them and there are so many qualities to a story right let me give you an example. Um, you know, I think one of my favorite kinds of story is the recontextualizing of a situation, right? So, like, one of the games I'm going to bring up later on, I'm not going to spoil it now, but, you know, you start off a game, you play something, the you think you know what's going on, and then there's, like, either, like, a twist that's, like, surprise, Um, you know, probably, like, the biggest moment is probably Bioshock. I mean, that's not on my list. Is it on your list?
1: Uh, no, but now I'm realizing my list is not complete.
0: <laughs> ah, <laughs> Well, that's that's the recontextualization, right? Like the twist or something happens that totally throws your actions into relief. Like another good example of that, not as extreme as the Bioshock one, uh, was the very first Nier game where you played the entire game. You thought you knew what was going on. Uh, and then everybody in the world was like, no, no, no. You got to play it at least two or three times. And when you go do that, the second replay totally recontextualizes what you're doing. So in the first play, you think you're the hero killing monsters. And when you play the second quest, you find out that these monsters are minding their own damn business and you're this asshole who shows up to stab in the face. Yeah. And it totally makes you feel like, oh, shit, like I didn't realize that was what was going on. And I feel really bad that I killed that robot now because it was just a mom. And, you know, like that whole thing. I think the recontextualization is a pretty neat kind of story. I mean, do you enjoy this, Carlos?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've seen many of them, right? Like when that thing happened in Nier, I was like, what the frick? Because I don't remember having like gone back and looking at a different like point of view much in games.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, it's hard to pull off, right? And that's why it's probably like like that one and the Bioshock one. I mean, are, stand out in people's minds because it's so unusual and I think really difficult to do. Uh, so we don't see many of those, but those are ones that I think are are cool and a certain kind of story that's being told where the thing gets flipped on you. But there's also many other different kinds of stories. I mean, I think there's also just the great quest where you go on this adventure and it's you know maybe it doesn't have surprises like that but you know like you get this sense of drama you build up I think a lot of final fantasies are like that where you start small you start in the village the village burned as they always do you collect your five crystals or whatever you get the airship and then you know things build and build and build until you get to like the the final boss who's like partially a god or something and then the music goes and then you know like that kind of like rising
1: action all the way through I mean yeah. those are
0: very classic stories right I mean I think everybody likes those
1: by the way, why is why is the village always burn in the beginning?
0: Because if it village... didn't burn, you'd never leave, right? You'd just be kicking at your village.
1: Right, I guess so. You'd be like, "Why am I going to leave the home? It's 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 comfortable here. I like my my village.
0: Got my water, got my wheat that I'm growing in my backfield, got my mom and dad." And nope, you got to take away all that stuff to get somebody on a quest. So,
1: and you usually have to kill like a personal like loved one or something. Oh,
0: so. absolutely! Like you're not going to leave that village unless there's like
1: death and blood on your hands and tears. That's how it works. Yeah.
0: Um, the other kind of story I think that works uh, for me specifically are the really strong character moments where maybe the story of the game overall is maybe not the greatest or maybe, you know, or maybe it's okay, right? There's a lot of game stories out there that are just like, okay, where basically they just want you to get from point A to point B. They want to give you a reason to keep going. Uh, but But within those games, if you have a strong character moment where, a character's personality is really defined. It may not be like even the whole story arc, but like one scene or maybe one interaction with somebody else or maybe some little glimpse of something where it's like, "Oh, that felt really human and that felt like a real emotion." Or, "Oh my god, that was so funny. I love this this point of view. I love this joke that they did." That really makes this character stand out to me. So that's not really a story specifically, but a quality of a story or something that can make a game overall feel better when those moments are added in and make a game story maybe seem better than it actually is
1: well let me let me go on a tangent with that because that's a interesting point where i didn't really think about it but almost always and again a lot of times this year (laughs) when we're all emotional um i get the most invested in a story when it it touches on a couple things that's in my own life right so maybe it's a family issue maybe it's a, a friend thing maybe it's um you know, down in your luck moment, um, right now I'm playing, there's something in cyberpunk that spoke to me and I was like, Oh my goodness, that's, that's me. That's like my life right now. And it was like, it, sometimes it feels like they're writing it for you and it's just lucky, you know, like it's a randomness that, that your life happens to go along with this narrative they've written, but like that really makes it more impactful. Cause then you go, yeah, that character is experiencing what I'm experiencing. And I totally relate to this moment. And now the game is actually like part me. (laughs) Do you
0: know what I mean by that? Oh, 100%, dude, 100%. Like when you get a game that somehow manages to, I don't know that it necessarily has to be timely, although I think that we're seeing a lot of games adding some political content this year for sure because, I mean, obvious reasons. Uh, But yeah, when you play something that connects with you, uh, whether it's a family situation, maybe a character reacting to their parents or to their spouse or whatever or maybe like you know sometimes you get a character who like doesn't like their job and if you don't like your job that speaks to you you know something like yuppie psycho that i played recently or some other stuff where you you have to kind of deal with issues in the game that are also you know obviously fantastical and usually not not super realistic we're not talking sims here but you know something that mirrors a person's real life experience i think can add greatly
1: to a game experience
0: like you can really get yourself invested if you feel like you know what that character is going through right
1: yeah, or the characters in the game are talking to you. Let, let me give you a very one specific example, and it is from Cyberpunk, and it is a very good moment, and it also is not a spoiler because I think they're using some of it in the trailers now. But there's, um, you go to a location and you need to talk to some woman. It's a long story, but she's kind of like, um, I don't. She's not a prostitute, okay, <laughs> but she's in like one of those places where you talk to people for money. I don't know. It's, I guess that's a therapist. I mean, but a host
0: club? Were you? Like, or a Yeah, therapist?
1: it's kind of like a host club. Let's call it that. And so, you know, you think it's just going to be about sex, but it's not. She actually just starts talking to you about, like, your life. And I was like, whoa, I didn't expect this. And a lot of what she was talking about was reflecting on my life, like me, Carlos. And I was like, holy shit, what's happening right now? I was expecting, like, the sex club thing. And, and she was like, where are you at your life right now? Like, what do you want to be doing? I feel like you're stuck. And I'm like, I am stuck video game. How'd you know? And <laughs> then she's like really relaxing and like whispering and talking to me and like making me feel better. And then one of the options at the end of it, the, the talk is, was is like killer, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Killer and dump the body. No, one of the options at the end was like, you made me feel really better about my situation. And I picked that because it was really what I felt. Oh, And then that developer
0: got a bonus back at CD Projekt Red.
1: I hope they do, because (laughs) a lot of the other parts of the game. But um, yeah, it was a really cool moment. And that it made it more special because I am in my life, full disclosure, like, don't know what the fuck I'm going to do next. Like, I'm trying to figure it out. Midlife crisis style. And this lady in this game was talking to me, you know, like talking to me. And they didn't plan that. But that makes it
0: much more impactful. Maybe you should go back and talk to her again, see if she's got more dialogue for you.
1: (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) it was just a program that was implanted on top of the woman it's a long story that's a long
0: story okay so that sounds great a couple other really quick things that i think make a story sometimes games have a big idea where maybe the gameplay is not the greatest or maybe you know the the storytelling itself is not the greatest also but like they're trying to get a concept across to you like maybe they're trying to talk about a political structure or maybe they're talking about something in sci-fi like you know maybe they are talking about transhumanity or maybe they have some kind of concept where they want to explore that concept in a game those i think are actually actually pretty interesting and i prefer those generally to be shorter experiences because i think a lot of times exploring the idea in an interactive sense is worthwhile but it doesn't need to be 60 hours and so i think those really work best in the indie space
1: yeah although Hellblade, um i mean it's it's on my list uh well, we won't go through all these because there's just so many of them. But I think Hellblade is, again, a short experience. I don't think it's a full indie, right? Um, I mean, kind of like it, a partial. I mean,
0: are they a the second party these days? Or they're, I'm not sure what their status
1: is. It was still a lot of people. And, yeah, uh, and I mean. Uh, you know, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that that's a good example of, like, I would never want to play that thing for 60 hours. But I really, really liked that I played it. And it was intense. So I don't even know if I could, could play it for 60 hours, you know? Exactly, exactly. And and a lot of things shouldn't be 60 hours. And I think that's totally fine, especially for, for
0: idea games or things that are kind of experimental with the narrative. And I think the final category, and of course, if you have any more categories, feel free to jump in. Um, the final one that occurred to me as I was kind of writing these down on my cocktail napkin is, like, sometimes dialogue is what really sells a game. And I think it qualifies as a kind of story, maybe not, like, traditionally, But, you know, if you play a game with a lot of good dialogue, something snappy, like for example, like uh, a lot of time adventure games are like this, where the overall story is kind of dumb. You end up just chasing MacGuffins all the time. But the journey is really what makes it where you have snappy repartee with your partner or like you click on, you click on items and like there's like a joke associated with each item. So that writing itself, I think, kind of tells you a story of a different kind where you're just kind of enjoying the world and you're seeing the cleverness of the scripting and, you know, the back and forth of a good uh, discussion sometimes I think is also is, is something worth exploring.
1: Yeah, I feel like we could have actually brought up the games within these topics because it's making me think about them, you know, like um, one I'll use that that we won't talk about because I know you hate it, but is oxen free? Oh, which, man. Bad example. Which I, which I like and is a good example for me. <laughs> but those types of games and another one that I will mention here in a minute um, yeah, it's more about, like, the actual dialogue. And exactly. if you enjoy exactly. that dialogue, you're like, oh, this is the story. This is what's getting me in.
0: Yeah. 100%. That's exactly what I mean. So that is an excellent example for sure. Um, so those were all the, the things that I kind of riffed on um, in terms of, like, the different kinds of story. And it just kind of goes to show that, you know, what is the best story in a game is not really that easy to answer. It might seem so when you're spitballing it, but when you really sit down to think about it, very challenging. And I'm really grateful to uh, Arhey777 for bringing this up because I got to say, like, it really did make me think about things in a different way. And I put more time and effort into this than I would have if somebody had just asked me on Twitter to ask, like, my three favorite stories or something. Now that we're doing a full show and have the, the chance to really discuss it, man, I just, like, I've, I felt myself going off in all sorts of different directions. I could, you know, we could talk for hours about this probably. We're not going to do that, but I do think it really shows story and story specifically in games is a lot more complicated than it might seem
1: well because it's the i think it's because it's the medium uh, you know it's an interactive medium absolutely and then because of that you're not you're not just reading a book you're not just watching a movie or, or a show and you've got to like sometimes figure out what is going to engage the player why you want them to be able to go off on their own if you do like in my favorite games open world they can fuck it up You know, like like right now, even a cyberpunk to go back to that, if I go off and do some crazy thing right before like this really heartfelt, you know, mission, then it's going to mess up my brain and I'm not going to be in that headspace for the heartfelt mission. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because I just went and like slaughtered 80 people and then like all their bodies looked really dumb. Spoiler it's fucking buggy. Um, and, are we getting you know, like ragdolling all over the place? Oh, stuff? you have no idea. I've literally never seen something so... <laughs> like, I love these guys, and I love the game. But I've seen some fucked up... Like, I can't unsee it. <laughs> like, ragdoll t post yeah, stuff. That's a shame. Yeah, that's Yeah, it's a shame. really whack. But anyways, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to go do that before a big heartfelt mission. So, yeah, there's a lot to think about indeed indeed and
0: i think we should probably think about it a little bit more and by doing that let's talk about the actual games that we selected i have a bunch to choose from i know you've got a bunch to choose from we will get to the reader picks at the end and listener picks at the end uh, but carlos let's just get into it man let's start with you um now to be fair to everyone including us here on the show We didn't really talk about the categories that we discussed before recording. I kind of just was coming up with these like organically. So I don't have my picks like separated into categories or anything, although I may call out some of the issues that we just discussed because we just talked about them. But don't feel any pressure and like they're not categories that way. Also, I think it's fair to say that uh, my picks are not in numerical order. I did not pick a number one best. Uh, Carlos, I assume you did not pick like numerical order ranking.
1: No, and also, as we're recording, I realized I, t- I fucked up, because I thought it was just this year. Oh. Like, <laughs> the best stories of this year. So I had that list, but then as you were talking, because I'm a yes and improv person, Absolutely. I, just, I just wrote down five or six, like, favorite stories of having games. So I have some from this year, and I have some, like, overall. But, yeah, overall, like, ever... Man, that would be take forever. I feel like because yeah, there's just I mean, so many. It's not going to be a comprehensive list by any means. If you
0: need a few more minutes to improvise, I can go first, or if you're ready, I can throw it to you now. What would you prefer? Uh,
1: I, I have them. I have tons. I mean, we could again. We could have this be hour, pa- hours, and hours podcast. So uh, I have one I could start with. That's kind of. Owned. I don't think it'll be on your list at all.
0: Oh, that sounds good to me. Let's go. I mean, because diversity is uh, something we value here on the show.
1: Yeah. Oh man, which one do I pick? Both of those, I don't think will be on your on your thing. Um, I'm gonna pick Prey for me, okay. the original. So I don't think a lot of people have played it. It's probably like free now or like ten. Wait, cents, wait, wait, the whatever. original
0: Prey from back in the day, like on 360.
1: Yeah. Oh, original okay. Prey.
0: Yeah. Give us the nutshell on that, and why'd you pick it?
1: Well, I mean, part of it, again, is outlandish, and the story, like we just talked about...
0: Oh, wait, 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 I gotta stop you there, gotta stop you there. Yeah.
1: We didn't discuss this again, folks, you're seeing behind the
0: curtain, we don't do any preparation for the show whatsoever. No, no, not at Um, all. I I meant to ask you this before, and I forgot this is on me, but I was gonna say, um, we should probably, like, not spoil every single story that we're about to talk about, Um, if it's possible, maybe we should just talk about the stories... In a non-spoiler, you know, explain why they're good in as much as possible. But let's not spoil anything. I want to. I want to make sure that the listeners uh, of the show now are not running to their their audio dial to turn it down so they don't want to be spoiled. We're not going to spoil anything, um, but we will talk about what makes these games good. This is not a spoiler podcast, correct?
1: Yep, correct. Okay, uh, good, no spoilers. Okay. But I do think that we can like delve into a couple like yes, bits absolutely, absolutely, yes, for sure. Um, so without a spoiler, the the general story though, without saying what it is is it's about a native american guy which obviously the first part is going to be why it relates to me so well uh being native american and, and mexican um and, and the the full story like you said in your in your um topic earlier is not like anything to write home about it's like pretty cut cut uh, cut forward cut straight what's the straightforward word? it's straight it's pretty straightforward but what's the one with the word cut in it cut and dried Cut and dry. I just put cut <laughs> forward. Oh my goodness. Uh it's, it's really, we're doing an early podcast. It's pretty, a daytime one.
0: Pretty cut forward is kind of cool. That could be a new phrase. I'm going to try to use that sometime.
1: Okay, it's okay. So the the story is pretty cut forward. <laughs> um but what it why it related to me, like we talked about as well, is something that relates to me personally on a personal level. And so there's not many games that show a Native American as the main protagonist. There's not many games that actually go into some of what it means to like be on a vision quest, which is in the game. Spoiler. It's a small thing. But it's it's like there's some native stuff in there with this kind of outlandish story. But the very, very few native bits meant a lot to me. You know, and I had someone recently passed away and the story has something about like, you know, someone who had passed away. And so all these kind of things, Native American, Vision Quest, someone in your family that passed away, the connection that you have to this, you know, uh, old kind of traditions, all that stuff was there. For someone who doesn't have that connection, maybe it was just like, oh, that's funny, you know, or interesting. But to me, it was like, whoa, I can be a Native American in a game, right? There's, there's probably, a, I can count on one hand how many games I could do that. So for me, it was a really big deal. And also, it was funny. And also, the protagonist swore a lot, and I swear a lot. So I was like, this is right on so many levels. You know, it had comedy, it had Native Americans, and it had swearing. So, specific story, like we just said, it's not just what the story is. But for me, the story. Uh, as the expanded term that we come up with was all these kind of relation relating to me kind of moments.
0: Yeah, having that human connection, having that direct connection to you, your culture, to your background. I can totally see that. I did re- I do remember playing Prey. I did like it back in the day. I thought it was neat. Um and I was kind of disappointed to find out that the the more recent Prey has like literally nothing to do with the original one. That's
1: kind of Oh, a bummer. yeah. No, it was really a bummer. They like, they basically just took away that series from what it was originally, which yeah. was you know, it's almost like Evil Dead in a way. Like it's kind of campy. But then there's like heartfelt moments. So you're like, what is this game? But yeah, I really, really liked it, and it resonated with me.
0: Right on, right on. Good pick. Uh, I'll go with one here. Uh, I'm going to pick Warframe actually, which I don't think what? many people. Yeah, that I don't think many people would associate as a story game because it's it's not presented as a story game. Um, so this is the MMO. I mean, it's not really an MMO. It's kind of like an ongoing sort of a experience that keeps growing and changing um and there's definitely other people in it but it's i i don't know that i call it mmo but anyway you play as a space ninja in space doing ninja stuff in space because you're a space ninja and the thing about warframe is you can play that game for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and have basically no interaction with the story at all. Like, you know, people will give you missions and you get a little bit of flavor text or there's like a little codex you can look stuff up in, but it's really hard to understand. It's not really well presented and it's just confusing and it's just a lot easier to just play the game and just ignore all that stuff, which is what I did. And my wife did. We played together for a long time. Um, I love Warframe. I actually plan on going back to it once I get a PS5. I really want to see what it looks like with the souped-up graphics. But the reason I chose it as a story game and a specific kind of story, I think this is really a great example of the recontextualizing story where, like, a twist happens or something kind of puts your past events into a different context. So, I mean, I, not to spoil anything, but I played Warframe for probably upwards of 200 hours before I got to, like, this one key mission, which, um... Friends in the UK, Patty Stardust and Coffee Jesus, had told me they were both, like, really blown away by the story mission. And I love those guys. They've got good taste. So I believed them. Kept playing, kept playing, kept playing. Like, again, literally, like, 200 hours of just, like, action. Ninja action, right? You get to this story. It's, like, a bunch of really long cutscenes, which you actually have not had in the game prior to that. Uh, A bunch of dialogue, which you have not had prior to that. And then some stuff, you know, is revealed. And I'm just like, oh... My god, every single thing that I thought I knew about the last 200 hours of this game, not true, and this is different, and this other stuff is different, and these new mechanics pop up. Like, literally, after 200 hours, brand new mechanics that you've never seen pop up. And it just fucking blew my mind. And the craziest thing about this is, like, it's not like the game even tells you that it's coming. Like, it's not like, oh, get into Warframe, and in 200 hours, you'll get to the cool bits. Like, they don't tell you it at all. And if you don't ever do that mission, you'll never know. And it's just like fucking amazing that when I finally got to this part after 200 hours of just basically action gameplay, you know, reflexes, killing stuff, shooting 200 hours of just that, that all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait, I actually do have some emotional stakes here. Wait, this actually does matter to me. Like it totally was like one of the biggest left turns I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, for me, I would probably put it on par with the, the Bioshock moment. Um, but, but you couldn't get there unless you had put all that time in, right? Like if you played the game and got to it in five hours, it totally would not mean as much. It meant that much because I had spent that much time because I'd been through so much stuff and that really gave it the weight when it finally landed. So for me, great example of a recontextualizing moment that really gave something a great story that it previously did not have.
1: Wow. That's a great example of that. Yeah. That template and not, it's making me think of other ones now. (laughs) (laughs) like this podcast is going to be five hours long um i don't want to say it now but there are definitely uh games that i can think of when you first said that idea i was like what games were that besides a couple but no there's actually quite a bit like and that's actually um a positive for games as a service right yeah possibly yeah games as a service you know a lot sometimes can be a bad word but you know, you have a game that you play for a long time. Like I'm playing Gens- Genshin Impact, mm-hmm. I probably played like 80 hours of that game. And if they do a new story mission, they just drop, and it does something similar. I will have probably a similar feeling because I've been so invested in this world for 80 hours that if they go boop boop boop, here's this new cutscene and there's something's happening, then it, it will feel pretty epic. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I and I feel like that happens in role playing games too. Like it just happened in a. A couple games for me. Like, I get to the very end, and something happens at the end that feels that way. So, yeah. Right a on. Good pick. Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, Carlos, I turned it back to you. What is the next thing on your list?
1: Well, let's go to another template now that we have all these templates in our head. I know. We just came up with those at the last minute. That's pretty amazing. I know. Uh, but this one fits that template. Uh, it's not Oxen Free. It's Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods. Okay, go for it. Yeah, so Night in the Woods is very similar to an Oxen Free. It's an adventure game. You're basically playing as a cat person um and she's home from college it's very like people are animals kind of game for sure yeah and so she's home from college she's trying to figure out her life uh again similar to where i was maybe this is an ongoing theme (laughs) i am sensing a theme Carlos. yeah yeah (laughs) guys you know that video game where you don't know what you're doing oh yeah i like all those games because it's my life um (laughs) But I think a lot of us can have those moments at least, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, 100%. Right? You don't know what's happening this week or this month or something. And so I was in a something similar, but not the exact same. But it wasn't really that. It wasn't the relation uh, to the character template. It was the story as written dialogue template. So that whole thing, no spoilers, is you know she comes home from college. She doesn't know what to do. She's kind of mad at her parents. She has good friends. They're really funny. That's it. Like, there's some kind of ending that I won't spoil. That's pretty cool. But really, it's about the funny dialogue. And I kept playing that game. I put every other game down because the dialogue was so funny and interesting and quirky. And it felt like Napoleon Dynamite, that movie. Sure, sure. I was about to say that TV show. Weird. Uh, But yeah, like where you just the the final finality of the movie didn't matter like it was about like hearing what the weird catchphrases they're gonna say, and so Night in the Woods has such really cool characters and funny friends the fox and stuff like that anything they said was interesting to me um, and yeah there's some Choose Your own Adventure there's some action elements to it but it was really about just wanting to continually be in that world because of the dialogue story and it was just so much fun.
0: Yeah, that is a perfect example of, like, a dialogue-driven game where the story really is the dialogue, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, literally, I still think back to moments of dialogue, right? Like, other games, you would be like, oh, th- remember that moment we did that one cool thing in the game and you beat to feet the monster or something? In this one, I go, remember that moment when the fox told me that funny joke about the pizza? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I still think about yes. moments from that game. Absolutely. That is a perfect example. Uh, good pick. Good pick
0: uh all right i'm gonna go with a different kind of story i'm gonna go with the idea story um and i find that these are very often in sci-fi most of the time not always but most of the time i'm gonna do a double pick real quick here uh and both of these games uh one of them i love and i have finished one of them i'm pretty sure that i love but i haven't finished which is a weird place to be but you'll you'll pick up on why the first one the talos principle Uh, have you ever played that one Carlos?
1: I did. It's a puzzle game, right? First person.
0: It is. It is a first person puzzle game, which already seems like not my jam. But it was you play a robot who is in a weird place that is going through these weird puzzles. And there's a little bit of dribs and drabs of story. But basically, it's about solving puzzles. And eventually, when you get to the end of the game, there is like a recontextualization for sure. But it's also about like the idea of. What makes a person a person? What is humanity? What does that mean? How do you define it? And I got to say, the Talos Principle, man, like, I struggled through some of those puzzles. Like, they were, I mean, I got through a lot of it on my own, but I definitely hit an FAQ up at some point because it's just, you know, real challenging and I'm not really the strongest puzzle guy. But I'm glad that I powered through because, man, when I got to the end of that game really powerful stuff like all these revelations start coming through the stuff you've done starts to make sense in a different way but then you really start to look at your own character and about just about like general philosophical questions and it just really landed so hard for me like i when i played the Talos principle and finished it it's like one of those moments and i will never forget this like i finished the game and i just felt this like overwhelming sense of like satisfaction and like kind of like peace almost that with like what the game was telling me that I just mm. felt so happy. I put the controller down and I just, like, stared at the final screen. And I just kind of, like, sat there for a minute, like, kind of just absorbing what the game was telling me. And I feel like it was so wonderful. I mean, so great. I mean, if there's any... This is not a negative criticism podcast, but if there's anything that I would that I would say about the Talos Principle that I wish was different, I honestly wish it was a little bit easier and a little bit shorter. I don't think that would really hurt the game at all because I think that what it actually tries to say is so great and so valuable that I think a lot of people would really like it. But to be perfectly honest, it was pretty long. I think it was probably like 30 hours of puzzles, which I think is a little bit too much. And some of those puzzles were real challenging. And I thought that if they lowered the bar a little bit, I think a lot of people would really fucking dig what that game has to say.
1: Dude, what's the game that me and Corey liked that's about the illusions? Uh, Remember Perspective? Something Perspective? Oh, Superliminal super liminal i feel like they're they're very similar i wouldn't mind that being a little shorter and the puzzles being a little more just easy to get through because i remember like hitting up some facts and being like what but i love the end message right which you know like me and him both like that like what it made me think about the world you know it's like hey you need to see things from a different perspective spoiler that's it's not a spoiler it's like no shit we all have to do that (laughs) It's not a spoiler. It's no shit. <laughs> it's no shit. People should be thinking about that anyhow. But that I think that's very similar. I, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, agreed.
0: The other idea game that I want to bring up is one that I really like but I haven't finished, which I, I keep telling myself I'm going to come back to, is Soma. Have you played Soma?
1: Yeah, and I keep telling myself I'm going to go back to it too. Dude, and man. Yeah. Okay,
0: another perfect example of where I really, I really like what this game is saying, like super big time, really like what this game is saying, but I do think it's way too long. And I think it's kind of just, like, annoying. There's a lot of there's a lot of gameplay in this game straight up that just feels like filler time waster, which is kind of why I stopped playing it. But I was so intrigued by what I saw. I got maybe, like, a third or maybe a half of the way through before I just got really annoyed with, like, the gameplay. But I was really curious about the story. So I'm like, well, whatever. I'm going to quit this game. I don't care. I'm going to go read what this game is all about. And I read a story synopsis, and I'm like, oh, my God. That's fucking amazing. Like, I totally... Now I want to go back and finish the fucking game for real because I'm so intrigued by the ideas again ideas of transhumanism ideas of humanity about you know what makes a person a person what makes things real what makes things false i mean i think there are some really fucking great ideas there and i i swear i will go back and finish it properly um but again a game where it's about a big idea the big idea is fucking amazing and i really wish it was a little bit shorter and a little bit easier and they cut out some of the fat because i think this game would be a killer like i don't know like eight-hour game or maybe even like a 10-hour game i feel like it's probably longer than that like eight hours is all you need bro so i'm gonna come back to it but i think that's a great example of like
1: the idea game i wrote it down to go back to as well because remember the beginning's so good it is real good it is really like and i was like oh but now it's this like what does this mean we're not spoiling anything but it changes you know and you're like now i don't know if i like it as much it's confusing me and like you said i don't i couldn't tell where the ending was uh, which, by the way, might be um, a shout-out to PS5's uh, ability to show you where you are in a game. You know, oh, that, okay. That, there, there's certain things that you can use with the card system. If de- developers use it, we'll show you, like, hey, this mission is only f- is 50% done. And, man, I could use that right now if I, like, booted up SOMA, you know? That would be really cool. Um, um. By the way, t- just going off that real quick, um, oh, my goodness, you're making me think about so many games now. <laughs> Because the idea of um, like just ideas, you know, like uh, what a game can make you start thinking about things. I'm just going to throw this out. This is, it's a really teeny small thing, uh, but it's not. It's, it's pretty epic in its, in its own right. Uh, the Ultima series, when I was first growing up, um, I talk about Ultima a lot on this podcast and in general. But that's one of those games where very early on, Richard uh, Garriott came up with this idea of virtues and putting virtues in a game instead of just going in in a role-playing game and you just get, loot everybody and kill anybody you want and do whatever you want, uh, that was exciting but he was like, yeah, but you could also try to like play the game by certain virtues and that's the first time I thought about like that in a game right like moral you know,
0: character ethics like how are you behaving?
1: Yeah, how am I behaving? And then that was like, well that's makes me that's a bigger vision than like just killing dudes. And so that was an early version of, of what we're talking about for me. Yeah, exactly. Good good example. Good example.
0: Um, oh, you know, one quick note um, on Soma before we move on from that. I forgot to mention. Um, I think the developers realized that a lot of people were not getting through their game because they later on patched in a mode where they removed all combat uh, because a lot of people were like, I love your game, but I hate your combat. And so there is a there is a, a mode you can choose where you might get put back a little bit but you're not going to ever die and that is the mode that i played and i still felt like it was a little bit too fatty but i I think the developers realized that maybe combat and the gameplay they had wasn't really in service to their story so interesting side note um all right carlos what is the next game
1: on your list sir oh my goodness there's just so many now um i'm gonna put you just made me think of so many new ones Um, i know
0: it's like this discussion is such a great media discussion right
1: I know, but I, I wasn't even expecting. Okay, so just to go off some of the stuff you said, where you like the, what's the recontextualization yeah, uh-huh. version? Um, it's It might not be on anybody's list, but Braid? Braid, oh God, yeah, that that was 100% for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because like basically, without a spoiler, but it's, it's important because it's an old game now. People can go back and play it and they probably should. It's using fun, weird time mechanics that are, difficult and again similar to witness i wish it was a little easier um i definitely had to use a lot of you know facts and stuff like that for that game but i'm glad i did because the ending is a really big reveal and the reveal wasn't just a reveal in the game and the characters but it was like it made me think about things differently because i was thinking one way the whole game and this actually should be a selling point to go back and play it and after the ending the true ending you, you think of it totally differently. And you're like, wait, oh, I, I had no idea this whole time. And then it just, it kind of like, the thing that thing, thing we were leaving out is when a game does that, or a good book or movie or show, you're left with that feeling the rest of the day, right? And maybe even the last of the week, and maybe even it just goes into who maybe you Maybe the rest are. of your life, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like thinking of the one thing, one way the whole time for the game, similar to your example, then I was like, wait, no, it's not that at all. It's this. And I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't be so quick to judge, you know, or so quick to think of something is this way. Uh, That was a really big one for that. Um, I'm going to cop out and say that's just not really my full answer and say (laughs) um, another similar one is inside.
0: Oh, yes. Inside. That is for sure one that takes a hard jag at the end there. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I'm just going to put those together in the same kind of Uh, bucket of hey when you hit to the ending you know it really can surprise you and those are really interesting and exciting stories to again like go back and talk with your friends about once they you know seen the ending yeah Um, something i I like to do
0: you know it's you bring that up and i think if you especially with inside you play it once you get to like the reveal or the twist if you go back and play it again it really puts like the entire game in like a different perspective
1: Right, you're seeing the levels differently too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess those are two picks for me: and inside. Good picks, dude. Those are really good picks.
0: Um, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in a different direction here. I'm gonna go for games which I felt like had a lot of humanity, or like a lot of you know maybe the overall story might have been okay, maybe it was not okay. But the mo- the, the reason I picked these was because I felt like they connected to me like as a human being or were really relatable. And I think the one genre where this comes up most often. It's like, strangely, the zombie genre. I think that comes up a lot where we talk about, you know, what would you do in the situation? Hard choices. You know, what's important to you? Um, You know, I think uh, one of the like PR catchphrases for The Walking Dead, the TV show, when it came out, was something like, you know, we didn't start living until after the dead started walking or something. You know, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting because in a lot of ways it really does, when you're surrounded by thousands of zombies, it really does cut away all of the bullshit that may cloud your your vision and your judgment in life. Like, what is really important to you? What do you really cherish when you are faced with, like, a life and death situation? So I think that applies to games as well. And, and of course, in that sense, the first one I'm going to pick is The Walking Dead, uh, the Telltale series starring Lee and Clementine, that narrative uh, game. One of my favorite game experiences of all time, I think, because they really did take the time to focus on uh, main character Lee, Lee Everett, and what drove him you know, the choices that you as the player make really shaped him as a character. Like, you could make him more of a hard ass. You could make him more of a softy. You could make him somebody who was really understanding and, and caring. You could make him somebody who was all about survival at all costs. I mean, there was a lot of ways for it to go. And there were many moments in that game where it was just dialogue, right? Like, they'd be talking about the world that was no longer there, things that they missed. You know, how are they going to deal with things? How do they relate to each other now? Everybody's under incredible stress. What is it like to be you know, kind of raising a child in that situation, you know, with Clementine and he was like taking care of her and trying to raise her up. And so I really like that game a lot. I mean, the story is fine. It's basically typical zombie fair, you know, not anything super different from any one of a thousand other zombie movies, but I really feel like the ability to spend extended time over like five episodes with all of these characters and have to go through those hard choices yourself, you know, Oh, I can only save this one person. Why do I save them? I, I have Two pieces of food and five people are hungry. Who do I give the food to and why? And how does that make me feel? How does it make them feel? You know, like, I feel like that really um, was a big step forward for the narrative genre. And I mean, obviously it spawned like a million sequels after that and a lot of copycats. But I think that one for me was really human. And in the same vein, um, I'm going to pick the last of us not the main game proper i mean i think the game is fine i'm not gonna hold that up for that but i I do want to pick up the left behind dlc specifically for the same reason the humanity um again not to spoil anything but that dlc is basically basically about ellie uh one of the main characters of uh, the last of us and her friend uh before before everything went bad um in the main campaign uh, ellie often talks about this friend and about you know why they're not around etc etc And then when you play the DLC, you see why they had such a strong connection. And most of the DLC is just fucking talking. Like, there's, of course, some zombie killing and stuff. But most of it, walking around, looking at stuff with a good friend, screwing around, wasting time, just being teenagers in the middle of a really bad situation. And just the the fact that they took all that time like three quarters of the dlc is just walking around and talking about things and what do you you know what was our past life like and where are we going with this and how do i feel about you and how do you feel about me like those are all really human things that anybody who's ever like been a teenager or gone on a date or you know had a crush on somebody would probably really identify with a lot of that stuff that was in that uh, dlc so for the human moments i like to choose both of those things those things really stood out to me
1: Yeah, and I'm going to, similar to this whole episode, I'm going to go off of what you just said (laughs) uh, and and mention one. Um, Life is Strange was like that for me. Oh, yes, okay. The original. And and I know that we've talked about on the podcast, if you guys listen uh, and gals listen um, during the podcast, we lots of times I say, like, I don't want to go back to my childhood again. Like, I don't want to play a character who is naive and doesn't know about life and blah, blah, blah. I've done that before. Yes. But that being said... Uh, that might be me now but in the past I definitely wanted to explore that uh, time period and I think Life is Strange did that for me where I was like yeah I don't ex- exactly understand everything she's going through the main character but it was done so well and so caringly um, and so even though it's like the art style was very you know cartoony I felt like it was understanding the humanity of the situation. In, in a way that I hadn't seen in games before. And it was really simple. But I remember being like, oh yeah, I remember it was to like have a good friend and who to trust and have a small town. And and similar to Walking Dead where you had to make decisions. And if it's done right, those kind of narrative games with decision and the differences in what you what the outcomes are, that really makes you feel like, oh it really is a big deal. You know, like what we choose here. Yeah. And specifically I picked that game For the ending, which we can't talk about, but you beat the first game, didn't you? No, I did. It's one of the ones I keep meaning to come back to. Yeah, it's on the list. Okay, it's also part of the what do we call it? Recontextualization. Yeah. Then that's really what it is because that ending, the one I picked, because I don't know how I got to the ending and how many you know different trees there were, but because it was, I was so invested in the characters and saw parts of myself, you know, in them and the idea of like. A small town and feeling like an outcast and, and not knowing who to trust. The decision was epic, like a really big thing happens at the end. And I don't know if people really talked about it a lot, but it's pretty epic what happens or what could happen. And yeah, it really stuck in my mind. It was like, wow, I just feel like I went through the ringer. Oh man, at, at the end of Life is Strange. So I would I would suggest you go back to that. By the way,
0: I dude, it's on um, See this discussion is exactly the kind of thing that makes me wish I was like an eternal vampire living in a basement with some games because I mean like humanity is is finite. You don't live forever. And like I'm listening to all this discussion we're having. I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna go back and play that game. I wanna go back and play this game. And like man, it's so hard to pick and choose and like what kind of experiences you want to have. And there's always new games coming too and it's like, oh man, if I could like well, we you have, know
1: man. We only have two right now. Life is strange and Soma. That's all we got on our list right now. Oh man, there's
0: so many more though. There's so many more. I mean okay. another example so so one that I think hits a lot of these categories at the same time uh probably one that i think a lot of people would pick i think is witcher 3 uh yeah, really it's really strong uh, it's on my list too absolutely i think it hits both the humanity uh i think a lot of humanity a lot of good very specific moments where it's real uh, specifically i think in hearts of stone i think was where it was strongest for me i assume you played that dlc right oh yeah i played every dlc hearts of stone where again not to spoil but but Geralt goes on this quest and where a lot of the quest is like hanging out with people and you get to see these people you get to engage these moments where you're just like enjoying you know being around people and talking to people uh you go to this party and just just the experience of being there i think is really human really really impactful and it really get does a great job of showing the interior of some of these characters but it also has a lot of like great moments where maybe the story overall isn't what you're dragged into um but you're living for the side quest and i don't know about you carlos but i i did every side quest that had story and i thought that so many of those side quests were great little micro-moments on their own. I mean, the Bloody Baron quest is probably one of the biggest ones. But there's also tons of smaller ones, like finding the starving kids in the woods. Or, like, you know, finding the ghost that needs to have their lover reunited with them. Or there's, uh, you know, there's there's like a billion. Like, The Witcher is just, like, great moment after great moment after great moment after great moment. Where it's just, like, this cool little twist or this cool little adventure. And, like, so many little, little bits of that game that come together to form, like, a really wonderful experience overall. I mean, easily one of my favorite games of all time. But it, the story, I think, really works on multiple levels.
1: Yeah. And that's it's what you said. It is both things because it's still a fun RPG, right? Oh, you're sure, like absolutely doing regular killing things, regular leveling up. And then you go, wait, I wasn't expecting to have feels. You know, why am I really invested in this woman who needs to be reunited with whatever, right? Uh, or I have to find this jewel, but the jewel is really more than a jewel because it's someone's family's namesake or keepsake or whatever. So, yeah, there's so many good moments that they, again, narratively written in that game. Yeah. That's not emergent gameplay. You know, almost nothing is. I think emergent gameplay in Witcher is basically fighting weird monsters. Or when your
0: horse takes a header off a cliff or something. Yeah, oh, not, yeah, not yeah. intentional.
1: <laughs> Some, like, weird buggy moment. Yeah. But, yeah, everything that's really powerful in that game is narrative, especially the ending. I mean, like, and again, another... Doesn't fully recontextualize, but there's a really cool, oh, uh, what's it, a Siri moment? Yeah, remember? Yeah, oh, like heard. such a cool Siri. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And that's like uh, all written, you know? So absolutely, yeah, 100. percent And I'll go off of that and say another one of my picks is is actually Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh,
0: okay, all right.
1: Because, and let me just explain. Like, similar to Odyssey uh, and to Witcher, there's all these side stories, millions of side stories. You could play it for. Hundreds and hundreds of hours, but the the side stories in Valhalla are more main like uh, mainlined, right? So it's or streamlined. I can't talk today. (laughs) Cut cut to the chase. Oh, I forward, Carlos. Cut Cut forward. forward, Cut forward. Um, There's you know it's more streamlined where you're doing these main missions in these different sections of the map. So each section of the map has like let's say five or six story chapters. Okay, and the story chapters, for me, and near the end especially, I'm like 40, 50 hours in, I'm like, I want to finish this game. Like, just get me to the boss I have to kill. Fuck it. But testament to them and the writing is I get to a new section of the map that's got five story chapters, and I'm like, skip dialogue. Let's just get going. Let's just – who's the guy I have to kill, you know? Right. And they, they circumvented that and said, no, there's no guy you have to kill. Actually, and here's one of the stories – there's a kid, he's just a young guy. His dad died, and his dad was the king. And everybody doesn't trust this kid, and they think he's weak, and they're you know, plotting against him. And you have to decide if you think he's weak also, uh, or if you think he should be the next king. And you have to vote for him in this whole thing. And you've got to go do an investigation on all these other people who are going against him. And at the end of the story, minor spoiler, this is one story in a million stories. You know, I decided to help him become the next king, and I was like, "Wait a minute, why do I care?" All of a sudden, you know. Yeah. Like I was, I was expecting to just kill the thing, and there really wasn't a kill the thing in that story. It was like, yeah, there was guards at some point. I had to infiltrate this thing and 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 kill some people, but it was really more about like, what do I want to do in this story they're presenting to me, and how does it make me feel afterwards? Yeah. And what's interesting about Valhalla and why it's really high on my list. It's like there's seven of those huge story chapters, you know, like we just talked the Witcher. there's like a million, but there's, there's less in Valhalla, but I, I had to feel all of them. I, it was really hard to not like want to just press on and, and beat the game because they got me like one of them, you trick or treating. And I was like, what's happening? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I'm like trick or trick or, but in like their version of trick or treating, liking trick or treating. Okay. Yeah. And I wore this mask. And it felt like, well, what's that great game? Costume Quest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt just like Costume Quest. And I was like going door to door and I was like, but, but what's the thing that I have to kill? <laughs> you know? You just collecting and candy, Carlos, just collect that candy. I know. And by the way, sometimes they would say you oh, I got a sweet treat and it was moldy cheese. Yeah. I'm like that's that's <laughs> not a sweet treat. More of a um, trick, I'd say. It was a trick. So yeah, the, I'm definitely putting that one because I didn't even expect to want to to feel these kind of like story moments that were really really well written. Awesome! That sounds awesome. That sounds great. Actually,
0: I'm really looking forward to. Uh getting to Valhalla since a lot of people said it's got you know minor Witcher vibes and I, it's been a while since I've dipped into something like that so
1: I would say it has major Witcher vibes. really okay cool yeah, Even better. yeah, Even better.
0: yeah. all right cool so Carlos we could probably talk about this all day long we can talk about this for you I'm gonna do, I I'm, gonna do can. I'm gonna do one more pick how many more you got on your list you do one I'll do one let's do one one then we'll get to the
1: reader picks Does that sound okay yeah listener picks go- We've gone for an hour already, so yeah.
0: I keep saying reader, but this is a podcast, so unless someone's doing a transcript, and I know I'm not, because it's a lot of work. I know I'm not. That's a lot of work. All right, one more pick. One more pick. I'm going to pick just... We talked about a lot of fancy ideas. We talked about a lot of structures. We talked about a lot of concepts. I'm going to... for To close this up, to my final pick, I'm just going to pick straight-up, regular-ass, cool story from start to finish, a great adventure, um, a lot of other things, like great characters, great dialogue, but overall... Something that I felt like was just a real slam bang, get in there, do that action, things are building up, dramatic finish, you know, like that kind of a thrill ride uh, for me. Mass Effect number one, the very first Mass Effect. I feel like that is a great example of what to me really feels like a sci-fi action movie that you get to inhabit and live in. And of course there's romance, of course there's great characters, we all know the characters. But like the very first game, specifically the first one, to me, felt like things are happening events are happening stakes are increasing danger is getting higher you got to like you know push forward you're fighting for the galaxy you have this giant like thing that happens at the end cool story reveals it just felt like the perfect encapsulation of what i would want from a, a, a straightforward like actiony sci-fi sort of a thing so there there's lots of elements to it but overall great example of just like your standard good ass story really enjoyed it all the way through that campaign that quest kept me glued from start to finish
1: i wholeheartedly agree and i feel like there's not enough sci-fi rpgs i want more of them agreed uh because you really can go through this really cool rpg element some narrative element altogether. together it feels like a really like you're living in a sci-fi movie um so i that's a great pick but i'm gonna say a very controversial thing and say my pick right on the piggybacking off that one is andromeda oh what oh surprise yeah. twist ending here well, it's not the full ending, but I will say this, just because you made me think of it. I had just as much fun, controversial uh, take as I did with the original Mass Effect that I had with Andromeda. Again, if you go into it without thinking of it as a Mass Effect game, just think of a sci-fi RPG, like an Elix, which we both love, which yes, could be absolutely. on this list. Absolutely, uh, Andromeda was a great time, and also had a recontextualization moment at the end and you won't know that because you didn't beat it did not beat it and it's a re- i almost want to spoil it just so people will go play it you know what i mean <laughs> i feel like if i spoil it people might go play it i don't I'm know a, man. i'm in a minor i'm in a minor spoiler okay and say, minor
0: minor spoiler sure
1: um if you don't want to get end, spoiled
0: jump ahead one minute folks
1: yep yeah, at the end two things happen one you feel way more connected to the, the characters that you've been talking to the whole game which I won't spoil how, but okay. you do, okay. And you arrive at a place that you've been searching for the whole time. You know Battlestar Galactica. I yeah, I know of it. You know the reboot, right? The, I, never, I never watched it. Okay, well that's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's an incredible series, and at the they're searching they're searching for Earth, right? They're right. searching for one yes. thing, and of course they're going to go through a bunch of other stuff. It's a very similar story with Andromeda, but you get somewhere at the end. And that feels so good. It feels like, oh, this epic RPG sci-fi thing I did has a a payoff, you know? Yeah. So fucking people.
0: Andromeda. I I, got to be honest with you, man. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but like... (laughs) But I don't agree. No, no, no. And and no, not even that. It's just like, I think that I probably would have liked it a lot better if I had never played the other Mass Effect games, right? Because yeah. the whole time in my head that I was playing it, I'm like, well, this is not as good as the original Mass Effect. This is not as yep. good as that. Like, this character is not as good as other Like, I couldn't turn off that constant uh, comparison. And it just it just killed it because Mass Effect 1 through 3, although I have some issues with 2, but overall, that trilogy, I think, ranks really highly with me. And I I, I love those characters. I love that story. And I just I could never get past that point of this is just the same thing, but not as good. If I had never played Mass Effect 1 through 3, I bet I probably would have gotten really into Andromeda.
1: Or they should have just called it Andromeda. Yeah, something else or something. But yeah, I mean, well, they could call Andromeda. makes sense for what the game is. And so just call that and say it's out by them, the same company. And it's just not a Mass Effect game. I think that would have been good. Anyways, even with that. It's a freaking great. And and for me, it's similar to your Mass Effect example where like I went through a roller coaster you know, right. of sci-fi storytelling. Um, my true ending, though, is just a real little bit of a modern... <laughs> uh, just re- left, this is a surprise ending.
0: Carlos Sur- is recontextualizing the entire podcast. He's really recont- the true ending.
1: <laughs> I'm recontextualizing. If this whole thing wasn't about video game story at all, <laughs> it was actually about um, PVE. No, um, Watch Dogs Legion has a really, really impactful moment at the end. Again, I'm just doing ends of games. Sure, sure, sure. But it's about AI, and you have an AI companion the whole game, and you have a really cool, heartfelt moment with the AI at the end of the game that I was not expecting. And that, to overuse the word, did recontextualize that game for me as well. Um, Really good experience, and that's a new game. Excellent. I got to try that one, too. I'm very curious to, uh, to check that out.
0: All right, folks. That is the end of my picks. That is the end of Carlos's picks. It is almost the end of the show. But as promised, I will reveal the top picks that you, the listeners, the people on Twitter, and readers of GameCritics.com did send into to us. And again, crazy response. Hundreds and hundreds of responses. Literally hundreds of responses. Again, like with our uh, past show... Uh, I had to have my wife help me tally the uh, responses. She made a nice little spreadsheet for me. She's great at doing that. Thank you, honey, for doing that because I don't know how to do spreadsheets. Uh, but we got all the top pictures. here. I'm going to read off the top. I was going to do the top 10, but I'm going to do the top 11 because number 11 and number 10 are tied. So I feel like it's probably only fair to include that. But I'm going to read them off uh, from number 11 to number one. And Carlos, if you want to chip in on any of these, we can talk about these real briefly if you would like.
1: Yeah, let's just say the name and then see if we have thoughts on all each right.
0: one. Uh, so the the two that were tied at the very end, Nier and uh, Torment, what, Planescape, Eternal Torment. Those two were tied. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, we talked about Nier and how that recontextualization. Yes, yes, yes. So we already talked about that. And Torment, I didn't fully play. I liked the beginning of it, but I didn't finish it. So
0: Same. I You know, people hold that up as like one of the best stories in uh, all of video gaming. I played it on PC like I think two times and didn't get further than the first maybe hour because it was just like terrible to play. like it just mechanically was awful, really really dated. They put out an updated version on PS4. I got further in that one. Uh, but again, just like oh, it's just I wish somebody would like rehaul the entire game, just rebuild it from scratch because I feel like it's so old. it's really hard to get into. And I don't have any nostalgia that kind of carries me forward on it. So I'm just like... I'm getting stuck on all the bumps and rough edges. I really would like to play it and I may come back to it, but... Yeah, man, dog, it is hard to play that game. Like you're not, game. you're
1: not wrong. Yeah, the, it's the data mechanics that I think stopped me, too. I was oh, like, I don't want to click on these things and do these. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I want to play it, man. I want to play it. You guys got to help me out a little bit further. I, I I think there's a market if somebody would remake that game. So anyway, uh, the next one, and again, we're going in, uh, we're building towards number one. So this is number
1: nine, I believe. Disco Elysium. Ooh, guess what? On my list, because I just found out about the final cut. The remastered, fully whatever-it-is version uh, got announced at the Game Awards, and I had not played it, which I know. I'm a bad person. Uh, Everything about this game I want, I know I'm going to want and love. Um, So I will be playing it soon. I've heard only good things. Same,
0: same. I've heard it's wonderful. I knew it was coming to console, uh, and I don't generally play things on PC, as we've discussed. So I was waiting and waiting. They did just announce that version. I'm going to absolutely jump into this as soon as it's available. So I'm very much excited very looking forward to this and everybody i've talked to says this game is like it is destined to be one of the new touchstones so i'm very much looking forward to it uh next one up is a game we've already talked a bunch about witcher 3 and a lot of people specifically called out hearts of stone which i think is a great choice Yep. uh after that what is we nine eight seven six we are at undertale which i know a lot of people like this game i played it and i bounced off it real hard i just did
1: not enjoy playing this game what about you carlos we actually uh, agree on that. I, I don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast where I like its concepts. I like its um, harkens back to NES days, the uh, Earthbound feel at times. But I don't like the mini games like at all. And it didn't like strike the chord that it did with so many other people. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like you got to be in a real specific pocket for that game. And I just was not in that pocket. And I... Yeah, I just I I couldn't find the fun in that one. I couldn't get into it at all. Really, really bounced off hard. But I know a lot of people out there really love it. So,
1: <laughs> wait a minute. I think we just recontextualized our whole podcast for our listeners now because they're like, wait, I don't believe, I don't like these guys anymore. Like, <laughs> ha, they're very, all mad at very us. Very likely,
0: very likely. Um, I think I have my numbering wrong. I should have numbered these before. Ten, nine, eight, seven, seven, seven. Okay, the true number six. That one. Undertale is number seven. The true number six. Uh, Near Automata.
1: Yeah, perfect. We talked about it.
0: Yeah, we talked about it. No, 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 no. We talked about the first near. This is the second one. Oh wait, we talked about
1: the first near.
0: We talked about the first near. Near, just just near. Near Automata is the one with the uh, oh, sexy android in the with the blindfolds and her friend running around. Different different game.
1: When you talked about it in our original podcast, was near. Of the podcast. It was near. So I got that confused. So I was talking about near Automata. I mean, so
0: it sounds like the developer pulls the same trick and both times it was. uh, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Next one up. Number five, Bioshock, which I think a lot of people are probably name checking it for the twist, which we've talked about.
1: Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, I I almost put it on my list. I'd really like it, but almost like when we were talking about it again, remember a couple episodes ago? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I guess it was just okay. You know, I, I mean, again, for the moment, in the moment there's a different way you experience a game like you've never experienced something like that particular moment yeah but yeah looking back it's not like the best story in the world but yeah i mean i can I, see why it'd be on the list
0: i i think people really give it the weight for for like we said uh, the buzzword of the show the recontextualization of their their twist which i think is is truly one of the great twists in gaming i i do not want to take that away from them but i think in terms of story overall dude i I kind of didn't give a shit about anything that was going on. Like I had a hard time telling the characters apart and who was doing what to who. And I, I I mean, honestly, I don't think it's a very well told story. I don't think it's a good story, but I I do appreciate that. They really sucker punched everybody with their twist, which I mean, was a great trick. So
1: yeah, I think the story pick is the ending because the, the story itself is all those, you know, you got to read a bunch of stuff. Oh
0: God. And just like, Oh my God, the names, like so many names of people that you don't actually meet. And like,
1: ah, dry, dry. Okay.
0: Anyway, whatever uh number four metal gear solid three any thoughts on that carlos Ooh, interesting
1: pick um it's a good pick i, I wouldn't put that on my list but um <laughs> shit we're making enemies we're I, know, like, yeah, I, know, I know this one's on the list i don't like it but um <laughs> no i think that's good I, I can see why they picked it
0: yeah i mean i think it's probably a good example of the strong adventure game where you just kind of build and build and it's kind of a cool quest i mean you know snake meeting up with the boss and you get a little bit of backstory but i mean i think it's just a pretty cool action straightforward sort of thing so not my pick but i can totally see why people pick it it's a it's probably one of the better ones for sure uh number three i'm liking this pick a lot mass effect number one i'm down with that oh yeah there we go there we go asterix andromeda uh asterisk and drama number two this one is a difficult one for me i'm curious what you think the number two that our listeners twitter people and GameCritics.com readers picked silent hill 2 what do you think about that carlos
1: wait a minute i got a it's hard for me to figure out which ones are which i remember playing one a lot uh two i can't remember what that's the one to. with
0: the guy he goes to the foggy town in search for his wife i think his name was james i believe and isn't that one Maybe no no no. I mean I mean I guess you're always going to Foggy Town, right? But you're no, always
1: going to a Foggy Town. This but. is
0: the one where oh God. I mean, how do you even describe it? Like guy goes to a Foggy Town and does some weird shit. That's like every Silent Hill game. But it's the one where <laughs> I can't even describe what this game is because you just go like, to
1: the basement. Is that the? Oh no, the, you're a girl in the first one, or no, no, the, the
0: first one? one you're a guy looking for your daughter. The right. second one you're the husband looking for your wife. Ah. Uh. The third one, I think you're the the girl i get kind of confused but no you're definitely yeah. looking for your wife right in number two
1: yeah i man i'm just i'm not going to be the popular one when i go back and look at these 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 reader picks reader picks um yeah i guess that's okay i can't remember it though yeah i mean i i remember playing it
0: and i gotta be real honest folks i'm gonna be real fucking honest And if you don't want to listen to podcasts anymore after this, that's totally fine. I (laughs) I know we're ruining
1: it. We're recontextualizing
0: it. We are recontextualizing our our fucking audience is what we're doing. Silent Hill 2, I mean, not my favorite of the Silent Hill series. And I got to be honest, when I played this the first time, I just I really didn't think it was a well-told story. I just I I played through it. I struggled with some of um, the gameplay because I thought it was really kind of a dull story. Like you're in a lot of hallways. You're in a lot of stuff that didn't mean a lot to me at that time. Maybe it was just my, the space where I was at in my life. Maybe it just was the wrong game, at the wrong time. I mean, a lot of people hold this game up. Like, often, often people hold this game up as one of the best told stories. It never clicked for me. I, it's not my favorite Silent Hill. And I, I had a real hard time connecting with that story.
1: Okay, hold on to your horses. I'm about to recontextualize our recontextualization. Oh, shit. And actually add a new genre okay. to the story. Okay. Because what I think what they're saying and what I did feel when I played Silent Hill 1 was my memory was I played Silent Hill 1 and I was like, what is this? I've never experienced like this weird feeling. I think I'm scared in a game. I think I feel, you know, creeped out for the character. And the story is a haunted one and a weird one. And one that makes me feel different feelings than I did in any other video game where I just kill things. So I think what they're probably saying is the template that they really enjoyed is this creepy template, right? A story that's told in a different way where you don't know what to expect and it isn't like, go save person or and it isn't something you relate to, but it's a new template. It's a story template about like unexpected. Eh? Very
0: possible. That's a, that's a very good point. I mean, I, I can't say because I didn't have that experience, but I bet if we pick people who really like Silent Hill 2, I mean, I would be curious to hear a little bit more about why they picked it, and I wonder if what you say is probably some of that reason. Like, maybe it was people's first experience with a... I mean, there was combat for sure, but it wasn't a combat-focused game, so maybe that is what they were grooving on. Who yeah, knows?
1: Okay.
0: Alright, final game. The number one story game picked by listeners, readers, Twitter people. Uh, the Last of Us. The Last of Us, number one. By a pretty good margin. I mean, I think it's a good story. I think Joel and Ellie are good characters. Uh, you know, I... It's good. It's good. Not my pick, but I can totally understand why people picked it.
1: Clearly a lot of fans out there. Carlos, you're feeling on that. I almost don't want to say like we've like torn apart some of these. Um, you know, I, I've t- said on the podcast, it's, I don't really love that game. Uh-huh. Um, and I just don't really like the series. It, that's, I've been very vocal about that. Yeah. But, yeah. um, I remember throwing a lot of bottles in that yeah. game <laughs> and distracting a lot of guards going like, well, this is taking me out of the story. Um, no i can see why i definitely could see why there's definitely uh, focus and attention spent on narrative in last yeah, of us for sure right? And, and it, yeah exactly and there's but there's parts of last of us 2 that i like too you know i i didn't finish it but i played a lot of it and the parts that i liked were you know the bonding of uh, sure people and and their stories so yeah i can totally see why it's on the list because of those reasons yeah and to be clear i like that game too i, I
0: don't not like it i definitely like it for sure so i get that all right, that is the top eleven, pl- or top 10 plus one uh, chosen by listeners, readers, and Twitter folks. And that is going to do it for the show. Carlos, I got to say, I-, I think this has been a really interesting show. I wasn't sure what we were going to do exactly. Like I said at the top of the show, we don't ever do any prep. I kind of was making this up as we went along. I made a couple notes five minutes before the show. But honestly, I think this is a pretty interesting discussion. And I hope that Arhey777 has been satisfied with what we have delivered.
1: Yeah, well, he better. Jeez Louise. <laughs> we went on for a while. And I think it's a great um, testament to us doing more of these types of episodes. Uh, we talked about it so long ago, but we had to have our listeners actually just poke us with a stick to do it. But the idea of themed episodes, yeah, it yeah. just gets you and I talking. Because, dude, Newsflash, we're like veterans in the biz. We're old dudes, yeah, It's for like sure. a humble brag for sure, but it's also like we're old. And we could... We could talk about a lot of different types of either stories or themes or industry stuff. So I think yeah. if uh, yeah, people tweet us at uh, So Video Games on Twitter uh, or Brad or me, and you know, let's just do more of these.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would love to. I'm always I'm I'm always up for these. If we get suggestions or ideas or topics, I mean, we're open to it. Anything you guys uh, or girls, uh, anybody out there uh, of any gender whatsoever would like to hear. Uh, please let us know like we want to deliver what you guys want we're always you know and sometimes we just don't think of it right like we kind of get in the groove we play a lot of games you know we've got like i've got game critics deadlines all the time and so we kind of just sometimes put our heads down and just do these regular shows because that's the easiest thing to do but if there's something out there that you guys would like us to talk about i'm i'm definitely up for it carlos i know you're up for it too
1: yep and by the way, this episode is called recontextualization. Make sure to put that in the notes. I will definitely it's, put that the, the show title. <laughs> the show title, for, for sure.
0: All right, folks. This has been a good discussion. Uh, I am very grateful to Arhey777 for suggesting this. But this is now, unfortunately, the end of the episode. We got to go. We got to get out of here. I got to have some pancakes. Uh, but before we do that, uh, again, send us your questions, comments, whatever. So, video games podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter as a show, at Games, but you can reach us individually. Carlos, you just mentioned it a second ago, but where can people find you this week?
1: Yeah, um, please, uh, I'm actually saying please, uh, please check out YouTube.com slash a lot of things. I put up a new series called Night City News, where I slash somebody that looks like me is a character. He's basically living in Night City and reports on weird little stories about Cyberpunk 2077. So check that out. YouTube.com slash a lot of things.
0: It's clone Carlos with a hammer.
1: Yes. He is at Night City stirring shit up. Uh, uh, I'm a, I'm actually just a reporter, but well,
0: maybe you kill people on the side when you're off camera. I might do that out. on the
1: side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All
0: right. As for me, same as always on Twitter, on Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's no O's. And that is going to do it for the story focused episode 210. Thank you again folks for joining us here on the sova podcast and we will be back before you know it. But in the meantime, this is bye from Brad.
1: And um that's preem man from Carlos. That's preem is in Cyberpunk.